the complete Kishlovsky. This is three, right, Travis? <laughs> I, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I believe so. Yeah, I think this is episode it is. three. <laughs> we we this is this is like a long line of confusion because this is this is the final final leg of our confusion uh, between the previous episode and this episode because um, we weren't sure if we were going to do the calm or camera buff next but we are doing the calm just so everybody knows uh, if you haven't read the little uh, tag on your podcast player um, this movie was made in 1976 right after uh, our previous movie the scar uh, but it was not released until 1980 which is something that we will discuss uh, i am uh, matt gastire and i'm here with my co-host travis trudell how are you doing travis i am doing fantastic i'm looking forward to a little peace and quiet out in the country you know just <laughs> just I a just wife want, and a television just a wife and a television what more can another gentleman want indeed and uh i am super uh nervous right now because uh our third person today i am i'm am hosting a show and our guest is somebody who I think was born to host a podcast and it's Mr. Mark Herney. Oh, Mark that's Herney, how you doing? Doing very well. It's great to uh, finally join you gentlemen. This has been a fantastic thing that you guys are doing. I, I warned you that I was going to gush about the complete and you guys are doing just a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, this is something that the internet has needed in their ear holes uh, to go through <laughs> Uh, the filmography of directors and uh, yeah you, you guys have just done a bang-up job congrats oh thank you very much yeah, thanks, and uh, it's of nice course. to have you you on we we wanted to fit you on the Kubrick uh, season but um, we're happy to have you finally you were along with Aaron West uh, the first person to welcome me onto a podcast uh, on Criterion close-up discussing uh, Nicholas Ray's in a lonely place. Uh, ah, yes, that was your two, that was your two, uh, first ago. time. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, you know, I I loved Close Up, and that was a big part of uh, getting into podcasts. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, of we we'd love to hear more of you. And and yeah, we, I kind of feel like you know, it's funny. We listened to uh, your. 2001 episode which came out not soon after ours uh, it's like within a week time, I think, first time right? watchers or, or yes like yeah yep and uh and they they basically like at the within about five minutes they were like mark why don't you host this show <laughs> <laughs> right I, like, I, I kind of i'm kind of tempted to do the same thing uh right here so but i'm, <laughs> I'm not going to i'm gonna let you sit back and enjoy the ride uh, oh thanks as, as a guest here i know i know you're already um halfway through a, a bottle of vodka that you've been downing this evening i right? i have i have and i, I sent a couple <laughs> bottles they should be arriving at your door any minute so perfect perfect all right so the second an hour of this podcast is going to get wild mm, nice <laughs> yep um so yeah i mean I, I think the first thing just to set this uh this movie up it came really quickly after um the scar uh which was a theatrical premiere um this movie was made for television both television with a small t and television with a capital letter t which um in Poland was an actual government agency that ran the television studio um, in communist Poland. So it was called television, which I think is nice. Um, and I assume is not the same as the band from 
the seventies. <laughs> I think it's probably two different people. Is that right, it, Travis? It, it, it has it has a lovely uh, they live kind of a ring to it. Just television, <laughs> yeah. white title card, Obey. black yeah. font. <laughs> <laughs> Stay calm. Um, yeah, and so the one thing uh, before we get into the movie is that he did make a uh, short documentary, I believe, in between. Uh, the Scar and the Calm. It was not released uh, or shown anywhere until 1977, um, but it was called Hospital. Again, not to be confused with uh, the Frederick Wiseman documentary, Hospital, uh, although they both equally have some wild fucking shit in them. <laughs> oh my God, I was not prepared for... Um, I was like, oh, yeah. what, what do they got their hands in there? What is that? What What are their hands in? Oh, my God, that's a human leg, and that's a femur <laughs> sticking out. Jesus yeah. Christ, and he's this, hammering it. This This movie is is not for the faint of heart. It's about 20 minutes, um, and it's I think it's it's straight up just 24 hours in the, the life of a hospital. Is that? It seems like that's what it is. I yeah, mean, they, I think. They basically I think his, they show time stamps along yeah, the way. Yeah, his that's original. That's says. Yeah, yeah, his original idea was that uh, because even with documentary stuff, uh, when you uh, you know when you got it approved from uh, the uh, the government, you still had to write a script for the documentary you're about to film, which is kind of weird when you think about it because you're catching as catch can most of the times with docs. But he had to write a script for it, and one of the ideas he had was that he was going to film 24 minutes and just do like a bit of every hour of the day, Mm. but then, you know, right at the mark. So this is it at noon for, you know, for one minute and this is it at this time. But then he realized that that's stupid because, you know, (laughs) forcing the audience to watch a boring thing when five minutes down the road, there's the most exciting, compelling thing, you know, (laughs) happening is such a rigid metal rod. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, Mark, have you seen this before? I haven't, uh, unfortunately. It's uh, I I, I do ready. have. The, <laughs> I don't yeah. maybe maybe it's not that unfortunate. Although I'll tell yeah. a quick aside that uh, I actually filmed at my wife's uh, asking our second child being born. Oh, wow. um, so you know, I I think I could probably uh, well she could handle. It. I don't know if I could, but I do have the box set, the one from uh, Poland that has uh, oh, most okay. or all of his documentaries. So oh, I will be watching yeah, this. It's great. It's a it great is show. fantastic. It is a great set. Every every I'm, I'm surprised at the quality of the uh, of the images that are presented yeah. on that disc. It is it is always just stunning every time. Yeah, you can tell that they you know really value him as uh, a national figure and um, put a lot of care into uh, the restorations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely some stretches of boredom in the film. And I think that there are in in terms of the characters being bored, that is, um, and I think that there are, um, uh, some interesting moments. I mean, the other thing is just like everybody's smoking in this movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like even the they're like the patients are smoking while they're in surgery. <laughs> That's just like <laughs> ridiculous. Like, they, and then like there'd be like five people smoking in a room, and then like one more person will come in and they're holding a cigarette. Like, it's just it's one of those things that you don't notice, you know, forty years ago, but it's just everywhere. Um, but then there's just this central thing of this guy. I mean, I think there's two two stretches of it, right, Travis? That where he's just like he's hammering this. Is it a, a metal rod into oh. a guy's knee? Yeah, he's inserting. And then the, the hammer inserting, breaks. Oh my god, the hammer breaks. 
and they're and not using like medical hammers. Hammer. They're using like a yeah. hammer you would use to pound nails because they <laughs> yeah. don't have medical hammers because who knows where they are or it takes a half hour to boil one. They don't have time, right. so they're just using regular hammers. And that and they're just asking for another one. That, and the the nurse is like, "You you boiled that right?" And the guy's mm. like, "I guess I don't I don't even know." <laughs> yeah, just I mean, can I get a, can I get another hammer? Oh, it's gonna be like a half hour. Fuck it. I'm going to use this shoe. And he just keeps on hammering away. It's insane. Yeah, it's really crazy. One of the one of the things that was the most surprising to me is the moment where all the doctors are lined up getting paid. Like mm. from being an you know, American and, you know, that kind of stuff is, you know, the doctor's discretion. You get paychecks and stuff like that. But uh, just seeing them lined up and telling them how many hours they worked, how much they get by hour and then getting paid every day. That's, it was crazy. Just that idea to me just seemed so foreign. It was almost as shocking as seeing all the other stuff. Cause I was like, what doctors getting yeah. paid like this? This is crazy. There's definitely the interesting sort of cultural differences and, and, and structural differences. Yeah. Um, but then it's also, I mean, m- this movie perhaps more than any of the other films in the set so far just shows you how just wildly different life was for the average Polish person in the mid seventies in comparison to Eastern Europe or America. I mean, it was just a completely uh, different experience living there. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's really the, the most valuable insight that you can take away from his documentary work over, over this 10 year period, um, is just how, uh, how different an experience you can have, uh, living in a country, uh, that has a, um, sort of corrupt communist dictatorship. Um, and, and also, I mean, it's not like Poland was uh, a wealthy country previous to that. They were war torn for hundreds of years, um, so I think, you know, they're, they were still trying to claw their way out of, um, poverty into the industrial age at that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, the other, the other kind of really sad thing about this movie is just that, um, it's a, it was a Polish hospital that killed Kieślowski, mm, um, yeah. 20 years later. So, um, you know, there, there's sort of a, a very, a very tragic irony, um, about the movie in that sense as well. Yeah. There's some, that box set is really a fantastic view of, uh, life at that time. Uh, it helps put these films into context and paints a a much, much broader picture, which is, uh, you know, makes the films a lot more richer as well. So it's, it's highly recommend it. I mean, I'm sure, did we ever link it to anything? Are we that kind of people? Do we do those things? (laughs) I think I think maybe I put it up on Twitter, but I can put it around everywhere. I'll try to put it in the show notes, but yeah, you know if you got a Region B player, it's it's well worth it. Uh, I assume it's still in print agreed. too. It, it yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couple fun, couple fun facts about that documentary. Uh, he wrote. He had heard a story about a hammer breaking before in a hospital, and wrote it into his documentary treatment to you know get the get the uh, government to give him the big thumbs up with a little excitement, and then it happened for real, and he was hmm. just beside how beside himself at how happy he was. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> While they were filming it, he was he was beaming, and the other <laughs> crazy thing is is uh, I think towards the end there's a lady who shows up who has a broken leg, and they. They, they start working on it 
and that lady is actually one of the producers of the documentary's uh, mother. And he was completely just shocked that she gets rolled in in the hospital bed. And uh, he was like, what? He had no idea. She called an ambulance. The ambulance came, took her to the hospital, and there he was filming. And he was just like, what? So oh, couple of fun, a couple of fun things. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, he, he got this movie together um, pretty quickly. Um, I think he was partially inspired just by um, his his star here, uh, his uh, Jerzy Stur. I think is his name. It sounds uh, pretty good there, I think Matt. That's how yep. you pronounce it. Um, that's that's the best I'm going to get. Um, he he read a, a short story, um, which he in Kishlowski on Kishlowski uh, says he doesn't remember the name of the story and he doesn't remember the name of the author, <laughs> and, uh, and and so <laughs> that's his way of saying that he basically he he had a short story, but basically he just made a movie and it was. loosely inspired by it um and a lot of the dialogue was um co-written by stir um i i think previous to the filming i don't think it was an improvisational um process um i i mean i I would assume for the most part that's the case just because they need to get approved uh you know at at each stage of production anyway Mm. um uh, and so uh, this film was uh, supposed to be aired right after it was made, but was uh, suppressed because of some of the um, political elements of the film. Most importantly, there's a, uh, a striking, uh, there's a, a, a number of workers who strike in the film. Um, and that uh, was not something that was ever supposed to happen in Poland. Mm. Uh, the official line was that, uh, all the workers were happy because they lived in a uh, communist uh, wonderland of, uh, you know, justice for all. Um, and uh, so it wasn't until 1980 and the Solidarity Movement broke through and there was a change in um, Polish government and there was the opportunity for workers to finally organize um, and have the right to organize uh, that they aired this movie. They aired it only a couple of weeks after that deal happened. So they, they had this thing ready to go as, as soon as the, as soon as the gates opened. And there were actually a number of, of films that had been suppressed, some for, for nearly a decade that were finally allowed to, um, be released, uh, to, uh, for the Polish viewing public. Um, but we're we're back in 1976 now for the making of this movie, um, and so it comes after after the scar and and before camera buff, and um, I think we're going to start with uh, with our esteemed guest Mark Kearney. Mark, what what did you think of uh, the calm? Hmm. Esteemed, I yeah, this film <laughs> it really feels like another step forward uh, in his filmography, uh, and it's really saying you know reiterates what I was saying before of the work that you guys are doing and the way that you're going about this and following a a filmmaker chronologically. Um, I, I'm still trying to decide for myself if it is a leap forward. Uh, I think it may be a bit of a leap in overall quality. It just, it doesn't quite get to the, the level, uh, for me of some of his later films and some of the ones that I think are upcoming. Um, you know, and I, I think, uh, repeat viewings too may help that but I, I have seen 
camera buff. I've seen, um, and it, again, it's been a while, and I've seen Blind Chance a couple of times that I, I do feel like he continues to evolve um, from here. And when he adds uh, the music of Preisner, uh, that just, for me, he hits another level. Yeah. Um, but this movie is, we're in one man's shoes for most of the film. And we, I think we do identify with him um, quite a bit. Uh, the character's name is uh, Antek Gralik. Um, so I'm going to try my Polish. We'll see. We'll see how that it was sounds. Pretty strong. <laughs> You're doing awesome. It's Thanks. it's nice. It's it's like we're a barbershop quartet. And we've been missing our bass for a while. Now we just need a soprano, and we've got it. We've got it going on. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, and, you know, so following him uh, along, obviously we do identify with him, and we really, I I think we hope for his success uh, quite a bit. I I know we'll talk about him as a character a little bit later, but I do, I I also think that there's a lot of foreshadowing in this film. Uh, There are certain shots that we see, um, like the rain and the horses, of course, we'll we'll talk about, um, that give you a sense of, what's you know what's happening to this man what may happen in the future where is he going to go are we going to get um few you know complete answers and but we also don't let him off the hook i think either uh we we may see him as a victim in in many in many senses but uh there are some some moments where he and again i don't know if this is the time or is the character but we we certainly see him there are some outbursts of what could you know lead to to violence we see some uh certainly some male testosterone uh infused things that he does a, a lewd uh gesture that he does to uh, about someone that you know comes into play later um so you know i i think there is still that the underpinning that we understand that he could go um to a negative place but this is like you guys said this is really him just trying to do something small have a small life have a get a a place to live a television and a wife and that's all he needs and can he get there so i overall i i do feel like this film is quite a step forward from the scar where he's talking uh very you know, it's much more of a community film, although it does center around the one director. Uh, but this is, there is a bit of a community here, but it does focus uh, specifically on Gralik. And um, I I think it's better for that. I, I, and the length of the film, too. I think it's about 82 minutes versus, um, you know, an hour and 46 or so for The Scar. I think it ha- it really does feel like it's at the, the perfect length. And I think he would... Um, you know, follow that in some subsequent films. So o- overall, I'm very happy with what I watched. Great. Trav, what do you think? You know, uh, Mark, Mark said a lot. Like he, he brought out a lot of, uh, a lot of good points. Uh, the fact that, uh, we're sticking with one character, uh, and that we're also just kind of like seeing this, this simple journey and, you know, he has he states very clearly what he wants, what his goals are, and then we're we're watching to see if these things line up for this character. Um, I think the other thing that makes it a step forward um, for myself is that as much as it feels kind of documentary-ish, it doesn't feel like a documentary, mm-hmm. which I think 
the scar felt more like a documentary. Um, after watching, you know, many of his documentary films uh, from that box set, um, you get a real sense of his documentary style, and a lot of that is infused in his earlier films, where it feels like this is a documentary with written written lines, and it's meant to feel that way. Uh, the scar, you you know, all those scenes of him in an office conducting business, and the characters talking over here about this building project, and and the town hall meeting type stuff. It still felt like it was a documentary, uh, less of a narrative feature. Where this movie here. Um, it uses the style of a documentary in terms of the camera looseness, a very open sense of mise-en-scene and frame, yeah. but it, it is very dialed in to telling a story. Um, and it's not, it's not a huge story, which I think is what's nice about it. It is a simple story, um, with, you know, it's with a message, uh, but the message isn't something that is being, you know, hit over the head for you to understand. Um, is a it's a very simple message, and there's some hopes and dreams that are within it. Um, there is some magical moments, uh, some surreal moments, um, but it isn't it isn't overdone. It is uh, uh, deftly handled. Um, you know, this is where you can see him. You know finishing that first floor of his career of his house and then finally starting the staircase to the next the next floor you know mm. it's it's a real it's a real building block I, I i liked it a lot i responded really well to it matt what are you uh what are you feeling about this one i kind of feel like we can all go home now i think you guys <laughs> said <laughs> said uh i i agree 100 percent with everything you guys are saying um i think that i really liked this movie a lot um, there's something very powerful about it and it's powerful in its simplicity and in its modesty, um, in comparison in particular to the scar, which I think was overly ambitious. I think he stretched too far with the film for what his, um, experience and, um, comfort with, uh, a, a narrative filmmaking style was um, this is right in his wheelhouse and uh, I think for what this movie is he kind of nailed every aspect of it uh, and I was very sort of moved and haunted by the end of this movie mm. and um you know i i uh i will point out we you know for these initial sections we will try to stay spoiler free as much as possible in case people want to listen to the beginning of this show because this this is only available at the moment on the um unavailable arrow decalogue box um so hopefully if that that will come back into print for people who who weren't lucky enough to grab it um, I will say that I think that this movie is a wonderful portrait of this character. And I think what Mark says is really insightful in terms of, um, showing this person as a decent person, but not letting him off the hook for both his, any sort of negative behavior or naive behavior that he exhibits in the film. Um, 
but also for the potential for him to become worse than he is because he's unable to, um, you know, achieve the, the potential that he will be unable to achieve his um, ultimate goals, which are incredibly modest, uh, you know, as, as, as you guys mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is a really strong film and, um, it, it's not on the level of his later masterpieces in terms of, um, command and, and, uh, greater ambition and sort of meaning. Um, but at the same time, the, the sort of modesty of its structure and of its technical elements, um, is directly in line with the theme of the film and with the character's own modest ambitions. So, um, you know, if he, if he had used the techniques that he used in something like blind chance or, um, even Decalogue that, that he, he wouldn't necessarily be, um, paying tribute to the material and to the characters that he's depicting here. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, really excited to talk about this movie because I, I think um, I think this does feel like a, like a big step forward for him. You, you raise a great point, Matt, about uh, how the style of the movie uh, relates perfectly well to the substance of the film, which I think is is the biggest stepping stone for him here is that he finally found a story or a, a uh, narrative that fit his style and his structure um, perfectly. And I think, like like we talked about with the scar, I do think there is um, too much stuff trying to be packed into that, you know, uh, talking about uh, the history of Poland and then the workers and also the political aspects of this, that, and the other, and, um, you know, nature versus, you know, industrialization. And, yeah. You know, just all this stuff is packed into that film. And because of it and because of the style he wants to have, it doesn't work well because there's lots of unanswered questions that were unnecessarily unanswered or were set up for no no payoff, which didn't feel like, you know, the narrative elements were tying well together with the documentary type elements. Whereas this film, like even small central mysteries, it doesn't need to be explained because you understand your character enough that it doesn't matter. Like uh, we, you know, this concept of why he was in prison, right? it's never addressed. Uh, People read a letter, we see their reaction to it. And most of them either like kind of, write it off as something that is no big deal or or it's you know a a joke is made and that's it they move on and that's enough for us to understand enough about his character that you know it's a fresh start and everyone is looking for a fresh start and everyone is willing to help each other have this fresh start which i find to be absolutely refreshing for once there's not people telling him he can't do it or he can't follow his dreams or this is stupid it's just like oh okay you're coming here to start this life and do it this way oh here take 300 uh Czesniks or whatever they're called uh and go and you know buy the stuff you need find a place to live let's make this work and I find that to be completely refreshing. It does have that sense of uh, the utopia, u- utopaic idea of uh, communism, 
but then it, you know then you slowly see that you know that erode as we as we move throughout the uh the film yeah i i think um you know it, what you guys said is is on point uh with this movie and it, it does seem like i was thinking about it when you were speaking mad about how and I, I think you mentioned it too travis how the these films do seem like a progression from the the documentary style it's almost like a bridge you know there, it's almost like there's three maybe there's four and maybe you'll you'll run into it as you're getting into camera buff and blind chance but it does seem like there are you know maybe three main um areas of his his career you have the documentary you have these narrative uh features that are almost more documentary style there's a, just a you know a lack of of music uh, a lot of close up uh, a lot of handheld camera uh before he moves into um you know his most well known period uh, at the end which is the you know maybe more metaphysical and just just beautiful but this these are um you know there are moments within this that are do have those metaphysical uh aspects to it that keep us at least, you know, considering that aspect of where we are, he was, you know, Kieslowski was a, uh, he at least held some spirituality. Uh, he came from a, a Catholic background. Uh, we don't know really how much he practiced and it doesn't really matter. Um, but he, he certainly kept that in his life. And I, I think he, you, you see that through, um, you know, through the rest of his films. Yeah. I think the, you know, it, it seems to me like what these movie, these early movies are doing is attempting to depict um, a deeper level of reality um, from what he was able to depict in his documentaries. Mm. He felt like he needed to go further um, and construct this uh, simulacrum of reality in um films like first love and this film and personnel in particular i think those three really feel like movies where he wanted to create a reality um that was as true as possible to reality um and and in a way that you couldn't do in a documentary and i think in his later films he was less concerned with depicting reality and more concerned with depicting the interior nature of humanity. Mm. And, um, you know, that's something I think we'll talk about, um, you know, as the, as the season goes on. But I, I think you're right in the sense that these, th this, this section does feel, um, unique from what will come later and, and what we had, um, in his early shorts, um, and certainly this movie feels the most like it is accomplishing what he set out to do in terms of really showing this um, this character's world and the options that he has available to him, the people around him, how they respond to him. And, um, you know, and, and, and through that shows what Kieślowski sees in the um, in the world around him and sort of how he views uh, his country's current situation. Talking about the progression, the progression of him as a filmmaker, him as a uh, um, moving from his documentary work to his later more metaphysical stuff. I think uh, this type of work here is, is, is that uh, example. He wanted to build these worlds because the one thing that he could really have a hard time getting into 
was into the actual personal development of a person uh, without getting uh, to uh, be violating them. And I think that was his his big concern was that I don't want to violate these people. I don't want to betray their trust and expose them on, you know, to the world uh, as flawed or as this or as that, because uh, it can become damaging. It can become hurtful. And I think we're going to talk later in the season about another documentary that he made that this happened and someone got hurt or damaged by uh, what he had filmed. And I think it's this idea that building these characters and building this story um, so he can explore an actual uh, person, the human condition, and watching them as they grow and change or watching them as they encounter these ideas, uh, warts and all, because that's what makes us human. That's what makes us uh, fallible is are these moments where he has these angry flare-ups or he he, right. he yells at his wife or he uh, you know being with the boys uh, makes his rude hand gestures and kind of says hey check this out which is you know ends up being a little prophetic for himself but um, it's that idea of shaping this reality and built in and so he could create this reality so he could put a character in it so he can explore that character and how they move about and how they act i think is his big concern and then as you said as he moves into his later career he does get more inside because that's where he's able to finally be free to be able to do that when he steps away from his country and starts making movies in other countries for sure well i i do want to talk about the the uh his country uh, element of what you just said, because I, I think um, this is kind of where um, Kieślowski gets a little disingenuous to me. Um, I, I fully sympathize with his position of um, feeling like he is unable to sort of make a choice that isn't political. Uh, and so he kind of just rejects the, the label out of hand Certainly, I think it's impossible for us living in America today to understand the idea of, of making something and then having it not put out because uh, it's, um, you know, n- displeasing to government authorities. Um, although I guess Air Morris might have something to say about that. <laughs> but um, I, I think that there, you know, I mean, the he comments um, in Kieślowski and Kieślowski, he says, uh, and uh, I, I will quote him because he, he starts the paragraph with, the calm has very little to do with politics. And then he talks about what we've been talking about, the idea of this guy who can just, uh, who just wants to get, get what he, you know, the, the, the little amount of things that he wants, very modest requests, and he's unable to get them. And then he says at the end of the paragraph, it's a film about our country, about our system where you can't get what you want, even if all you want is a television and a wife. To me, those two statements, they don't go together. That That is a fundamentally political statement that he's making um, in this movie. And even if he's not calling out specific government authorities or in the in the scar as in the scar showing corrupt government officials or anything like that to me this 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 movie is a fundamentally political movie because it is about his country 
the nature of the the life that people are sort of forced to lead in mm-hmm. his country and the opportunities that are available to his fellow citizens am i am i just being uh too rigid in my sort of positioning there or do you feel like um Kieślowski is is playing a little bit um you know having his cake and eating it too yeah i mean i i think he i, I think he is a bit i there are some to me some parallels even there with uh, America. I mean, because we we think sure. about you know the American dream is what you know getting a getting a house, a television, and a wife, and you know we we don't get there with a calm, but you know maybe two kids. But um, you know it really is truly. I mean, you could if you you could aspire to greatness in America, but I, I think in in reality that's really all we really want are those those small pieces. So. I think there are some some parallels there, and I but I do think you're right that there are some some statements, and whether it is you know political country or uh, just life, in that we, you know it seems like there are forces that are um, out there to keep us down, and even though we are trying to play both sides of the fence, which you know happens in the calm, uh, we can't seem to just do just you know, be, just be happy. Uh, that's what I see in this movie is so much of this character is, um, you know, in Gorarek, he's so earnest in, in so many ways. And there's just so many shots. I, I think of the shot on the cover uh, you see on IMDb where he's just descending and that look on his face is that triumphant look. Um, and you feel like, well, maybe he's, you know, he's, he's finally, he's finally made it. So I, I think there, um, I think you almost could read it either way. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I think his, he, he is commenting on the fact that in where this is not, maybe not outright political, but certainly, uh, speaks to the, um, the working man, the, the, the workforce, but also I think the stigma of just where he's been, because, um, that the, the fact that he is an ex convict, he's been in, in jail, uh, certainly informs the way people treat him. Um, so I, I think he may be making a statement there. This is where those, uh, director on director books, uh, I always have some sort of, uh, uh, issue with because, Hmm. You know, the beginning of that paragraph in which he starts that sentence and the end of that chapter where he ends it, that could be 20 years different in terms of the interviews that he's had. So he could have started out with, I don't want my film to be censored. This is not a political film. And then later upon reflection, he says, oh, yeah, it's about country and how you can't get anything done there because they don't allow you to. And so, I mean, I can see kind of. I can, I, you know, not not saying that uh, he's contradicting himself, um, but I think maybe because of the way those interview books are put together, um, it could be, you know, years apart from the beginning of the sentence to the end of the sentence in terms of where they're getting the source material from to put the words together. But uh, more towards your point. I do think it's I think he can't help but make a political film at this stage in his career Hmm. Um, between being completely ensconced in the system that he is uh, working in um, with his uh, documentary work that he's doing in which he's supposed to be showing slices of life in Poland and how even 
like his character, he sets out with all the best intentions, but generally comes back showing how it isn't very good for anyone. Um, I, I'm thinking about uh, the documentary before the rally uh, in response to this question where it shouldn't have mm. been a political film. It should have just been about a guy putting his car together to go race it. And it can't happen. His, he can't get the pieces to his car to get right. it ready. He can't do anything right. And it's all because of the system that he's working in and trying to work in. He has to bribe people to try to get parts early. And when he shows up there, he's super happy to be a part of things, only to realize that his he's not going to do well in this race at all because the deck is stacked against him just because of where he comes from in the system that he was yeah. working in. And that's the same with this character here. I mean... Uh, he, you know, he he steps out at first. I think maybe he's naive that that's all he wants. Like you think, okay, he's a prison. He's a guy coming out of prison. Of course, he wants this idealized idea of a simple life out in the country, wife, uh, kids, TV. But and so you think there's a bit of naivety, uh, you know, naivete in in what he's thinking and what he's doing. But then as you kind of start to to see his character, you realize, no, he's actually kind of a a generally a genuinely uh, pleasant person. Mm. Uh, He's he's friendly. He keeps his eyes open and his ears open. He pays attention to things. Um, He's quick. He's a quick learn. He picks up on things pretty quickly. But he does suffer from that idea of trying to keep the peace, trying to keep everyone happy. And he can't do that. And he, you know, that's one of those things everyone kind of realizes at some point. You can't make anyone, everyone happy. Mm. And he, he works at this trying because you know, he has a little bit of alliance to his manager. His manager is the one who helps him out, gives him the job. But he's also got an alliance to his friends that he works with, and he spends all his time with, and he's happy about. But then when those two opposing forces start to pull away from each other and he's stuck in the middle and they're using him and he doesn't see that as being used. He sees it as kind of like he's trying to be the person who will solve these problems. He's going to be the fixer and he can't fix everything. And that's something you learn in life. And I think that that's what that's what makes this such a beautiful resonant story is because everyone has had this moment in their life where they realize that you know they're they can't fix everything i agree with that i i i disagree slightly with the idea that he goes into the situation um sort of willingly and positively i think he is uncomfortable pretty soon after um he starts the job with the inability of these two parties to sort of leave him out of the middle of their um, bickering. Uh, I think he, I think he's somebody who's a low drama person and uh, expects other people to also not want drama around them. And he puts too many of his cards on the table, especially to the management at the beginning in a situation where he really just says to them, I want this job. I want to live a simple life. That's literally all I want. So the you are the person who is basically holding my entire happiness in your hands. Hmm. So, you know, and then the guy lends him money. Um, he, uh, you know, he... Uh, and then all of a sudden in the next scene, he's fixing his bike instead of doing his job. 
Um, so, I mean, it just seems like he he sets himself up with the expectation that other people are going to be as open and and low drama as he is, and it's just not the case in this world. Um, the other thing I wanted to to mention is just the idea that this movie is sort of similar to what I'm talking about with the political elements sort of that can't help but rear their ugly head because they're all around you. So if you make a movie about your country, it's inherently political. This guy can do, try to do whatever he wants to stay out of the, um, serious corruption and labor issues that are taking place in Poland in the seventies that eventually lead to the solidarity movement breaking through in the eighties. Um, but he's going to get pulled in to the rapids. He can try to stay on the calm side of the river, but ultimately he's going to get pulled in because he's alive and he is li- trying to live his life in this, w- in this world that they've constructed and the i think the movie is a little bit the same way you know i don't think he set out um in the sense of uh the neorealists uh like a a film like bicycle thieves which is also not about corrupt officials or anything but i don't think anybody would argue that bicycle thieves is not an inherently political film i Mm -hmm. think in this way um this movie can't help but be political even if it's trying not to be even if it's just trying to be a portrait of this guy and his inability to make this this uh idyllic um you know modest life for himself um that it it will shine through that the reason the the larger forces that are preventing this from happening are the forces that are um, damaging everybody in the country at that moment yeah, I think the um, you know a, a a big I don't it, I guess it's towards the end, but the we'll call it the chicken. I think scene. we can go. I think we can <laughs> talk about spoilers now. I think we're we're deep enough into the conversation that people can can drop out uh, and and skip forward to the uh, to the other films. So we can so, talk, so go ahead. And we we can talk about free. how the calm is his sled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Kaiser Soze's sled. <laughs> <laughs> Is it well? Is it too soon to talk about the chicken? Um, that's the. I mean, that's that's it's the never scene. too soon to talk about the chicken, Mark. <laughs> that's the scene that I. I mean, for me, is where it just it, it comes to fruition. Uh, the these forces that have been gathering um, against Antec uh, that you know, and that this is really where he lashes out the most yeah. against those those forces. And some of these people, I, I can't even remember if we've seen them before, but they are. Uh, at this gathering, this dinner that really shouldn't be um, that charged, but obviously is very charged, and he he lashes out, and I think that's where we we see um, maybe you know maybe there are some parallels. You you, you said Matt, he can't help but be political. Maybe I feel like this film is smaller in that it it it's focused on him, it's focused on his job, it's focused on uh, his interactions with his coworkers and also with his boss, uh, but then you see. You know, really, in that scene, more managers that are involved, more people that are involved. Maybe it's, um, you know, I guess Mulholland Drive comes to mind, where you know you're, you're talking hmm. about the, the the people in in charge, and they're uh, they're really, um, you know, 
talk. I mean, he, he's almost a fly in the wall at one point where um, they're they're saying that yeah. they may need to fire these people, and they were afraid that they were going to get fired. And so, you know, that's where where he really um, lashes out. But I I think um, he do you is... think just just to ask you a question there, mm-hmm. um, do you think that he lashes out because he's trying to um, protect these? these other workers or do you think that he is a little more just personally offended yes that they feel like he is one of them and not one of the workers that they that they assume that they can talk like this in front of him mm. sort of joking about getting rid of these people well, that's that's a good point i guess i i feel like he's more offended just that they would yeah. treat uh these the those people that way yeah that they yeah. will so offhandedly just say well maybe we should just fire them we, we should get yeah. more um so i yeah i i think he is truly focused on he's just stuck in the middle and he's truly focused on his friends and his co-workers um and this is not to to your point i think it was matt he's this is not the world that he anticipated and we don't know him before he comes out of um you know out of jail but he's already shunned in many ways like he he leaves um he doesn't leave the train on the same side of the tracks as his friend uh because he knows that path he knows where that leads um and i swear i'm quoting another movie here and so he he goes down another path uh the calm path right the matrix right that's it, right? You yes. Know that road. Thank you. <laughs> You've been down that road before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the the scene at the uh, in the rain there. So. Yeah. 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 So well, but he also like his friend gets off the train to like party like it's nineteen ninety nine exactly <laughs> like and he's just like off over here on the side he goes to see his old girlfriend who's just like I don't even know who you, like I don't even care about you anymore just get out of my life right and then he, he can't even see his parents like it's. They have a lodger like in his room, uh, which is actually um, similar to uh, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. Orange. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, great. Where he gets out of jail and uh, and there's a lodger that has taken his place. So right, and um, I think they yeah. I think they mentioned later that they are his foster parents, so they're not exact. Because you kind of wonder like why would he why wouldn't he go to his real yeah. parents? But um, they are foster parents from what we we understand. But you know he really is trying to turn that corner and just do things differently and, um, you know, focus on, as he says, you know, I, I have to do everything calmly and slowly. So yeah. maybe he didn't before, but that's the way he, he maybe that's how, because he was supposed to be in for five years. He got out after three, you know, we assume on good behavior and maybe that's how he learned to, um, yeah. that's how he's going to, to, you know, integrate back. But Well, he gets set up right away with, with the, the scene in which uh, his, um, cellmate Fatso. asks him about the lo- uh, the lottery and that he's gonna you know um spend all the money on on trying to win the lottery and and garlic just says you know not that's not for me i'm just gonna get a television and <laughs> that's <laughs> i'm good <laughs> yeah right. that um, scene at the beginning is it's it that's when i knew that this was a different movie from his other movies mm. uh it was a really uh, a beautiful a beautiful concept and a beautiful idea well executed the passing out of the uh pine tree bows for christmas right. and yeah. each cellmate has them and they're singing a little uh christmas song in the cell and they're all just kind of you know deep in their own thoughts and then 
you know, it turns to that moment of, you know, without setting it up too much, he just basically says, man, you, gr- you know, you got to grope her. <laughs> and you're just like, what? And then we right. go into this little scene of, uh, of him as a prisoner working at this place and kind of, uh, uh, taking advantage a little bit of the uh, well, I don't know because we don't actually see what happened. It could be him telling, uh, you know, stories to make himself mm-hmm. bigger than he was. It could just be that act of kindness really touched him, which is why he wanted to go back to this woman. Um, but you know, he makes it sound like uh, you know he manhandled her uh, to the boys. But uh, it's that was one of the I meant to say this earlier. That was one of the other reasons why it was censored was. Uh, uh, prisoners aren't labor, yeah. And uh, you know he's you know, that that was a big thing. You don't use prisoners as labor. Everyone works. For, everyone works because they want to, not because they have to. And then you know, obviously they use prison labor all the time there at that point. But uh, yeah, just just to mention um, the story about that, the the idea that he went to a, a meeting um with the with the television executive or or official whatever you want to call it and the official told him that he he needed to remove the scene of the prisoners working and he called the official over to the window and pointed outside and was like what what is that right out there and there were prisoners that were working at the train station right out the window of what they were discussing and the official said that those are prisoners working and he said what like what that's exactly what is in my movie why like what are you te- why are you telling me that that's not allowed to happen and the executive is like no that's why you need to change that right <laughs> that's exactly why i have to cut it out yeah exactly yeah um yeah no sorry go ahead but I, no. I i wanted to make sure we we got that that little anecdote in there oh no um yeah i was just uh, uh just in the general uh you know we we see him we see him getting out of jail um, there's this beautiful moment where you know it's this we're free, but it's pouring rain out. So they've got to, yeah, they've exactly. got to, you know, it's it's you know, but it's it's strange because in a lot of movies around, uh, I don't know, just in terms of movie language, uh, usually you know that whole rain is a baptism. You go out in the rain, mm. you get kind of cleansed, you're a new person, and you have that symbol there. But it's kind of funny and, and a little bit uh, telling about his character early in the film because we don't know him at this point very well. Uh, he covers himself up and refuses to get that baptism. He's just like, no, I've got other things to do. We're going to the train station. We're getting the hell out of here. Uh, I, have, hmm. I have plans. And uh, it's, uh, it's, very, it, it's a beautiful scene. It's, it's nice. And it, it, it sets up a lot of expectations and dashes a lot of expectations right away uh, for the rest of the story. There, there's something about this this lead character and Romek from Personnel that they're they're there's just kind of like this puppy dog excitement, naive excitement I was, about I was, them. I was gonna say if it wasn't for the scar being where it is in his filmography, yeah. you can almost see this character as a progression of characters. You go from personnel, uh, you go from that character into this character coming out of jail and still having that idea, and then him starting a family and moving on into camera buff. Like it's almost like a growth. This this uh, Yerzy could be a uh, could be a uh, Kijlowski's uh, uh, Antoine Donnell. Antoine Donnell. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think there there is like the that that sort of wonder at like the outside world that of like freedom. 
you know, reminded me of the, the theater, uh, element of personnel and, um, yeah, there's, there's just something very, um, vulnerable about his characters that, uh, these, these two young male characters that he's, that he's done in these films that, that, um, that I think speaks to the kind of soft, mushy interior that Kieślowski tries to cover up with his cynicism. Right. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like this guy, you know, like I, there's definitely, he's, he's got a bit of a temper. He's not the smartest, uh, he's not the sharpest tool in the, in the shed. Um, there, I like that, that example of the moment you bring up Mark with the, uh, with the yelling in the Turkey, um, is, is I think an example of a situation where a more, a smoother, um, sort of more intelligent person in that situation could have um, negotiated the situation and tried to help his friends instead of hurt both himself and his friends by lashing out. Um, and But, I mean, at the same time, his sort of pure emotional response to it was admirable in a way. Right. And... Um, you know, regardless of whether it was because he was offended uh, at the way they were talking about the workers or because he was he was personally, um, you know, nervous about the fact that he was there instead of meeting with the workers. I think both of those things are coming from mm-hmm. a place of genuine care about other people. And I think I think the other thing about that scene of him like uh, losing it at the turkey dinner um you know, this is coming right after a scene where he kind of finally loses it on his friend. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mia Tech. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he had his wife as and, well. and his wife as well. He finally right. has had enough and he's kind of getting yeah. fed up with all sides of this argument. And he does. Yeah. He also kind of gives it to him saying, dude, just stop. I don't want to be a part of this. You keep on making me do this stuff. You keep on treating me like I'm management and I'm not you know, this is, this is ridiculous. And then he goes to that meeting and he's treated like management, but also kind of pointed out like, you know, Oh, he's worried. He thinks he's going to lose his job too. Like he's one of the other ones. He's not. And he's kind of like, he's in that stuck position where he wants to do the right thing. And he, it's hard doing the right thing is hard and he can't do the right thing. And, and as I mean, he does, he yells, it's not the best way of going about it. But as we've seen him, he's kind of getting, as he gets more and more fed up, he gets more yelling, which is, right. you know, probably part of his character and part of the thing which put him into prison to begin with. But we don't know that because all we're seeing is the new trying to be calm and be, you know, stay out of it, which you know, ties back into your political aspects. You can't stay out of it. When there's two sides, you can't stay in the middle. There is no middle. Yeah. There's there's sides. That's all there is. And uh so it's a it's 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 beautiful character building. Watching him uh negotiate these these uh situations and, you know, trying things one way, trying things another way, finally just losing his calm about the situation and then how he gets rewarded for that uh, you know, telling off management, telling them, you know, to take a hike and they're wrong and this is the wrong way about going about things. You know, he's rewarded very poorly by the guys he just defended. Which yeah, is, getting the shit kicked out of him. Gets the shit, and he goes into it willing. He doesn't try to hit them back. 
He walks. No, he in doesn't. Anywhere. He also doesn't say, "Hey, man, I was sticking up for you." No, nope. like he, he, he's he just, just takes it. Yeah, he takes yeah. it. Make sure his wife runs into the house so she's not involved with it, and everyone waits for her to leave, like gentlemen. And then they just beat the crap out of him, and there's nothing. Yeah. You know, he just takes it because that's what life is. It kicks you around. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think it. Um, you know that, and of course, then the the shots of the horses come back into play. Uh, I think it's maybe the very last shot, yeah. um, but he's, you know, he's trying to get up and he's just telling himself, you know, calm, 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 yeah. you know, that, which really gets back to the whole beginning of the, of the film. But um, those, those horses are, um, there's a scene earlier where there's two, two scenes earlier. There's one scene where we see it on a television where it just kind of, sh- they just kind of show up uh, randomly. And then, there's another scene where he is he's riding in a car or a truck and he again it's at I believe it's at night and you can see via the headlights just these quick glimpses of horses running and I, I think that's that's kind of getting into um, more of this you know metaphysical aspect that we have uh, alluded to and I I, yeah. I was trying to think about you know, really what does that mean? Um, and these horses are, of course, you, you have to think about horses are free, right? They're, they're running, yeah. but they're also, they're still caged, right? So these horses are, they're not wild horses. They probably aren't They're They belong to somebody. So, um, I, I think that's kind of what it's getting to is that, you know, uh, Antec wants to, he wants to be free. He just wants his, his small little piece, but he wants to be free. He wants to be able to, to do what he he wants to do not not to break the law but just within the confines of the law but he's still caged he still belongs to uh to somebody um and he you know kind of flashes back in that last moment uh to that's what i wanted to be i wanted to be like those those horses uh able to run free even though um you know uh here i am still caged and uh you know the my supposed friends and coworkers uh turning against me that's a fantastic sentiment. I, I I was I never thought about the uh, the caged part as well. I I read the uh, I read the horses as freedom and his opportunity to uh, to have some sort of escape. But I didn't think about the fact that yeah, even though you do have that freedom, they're still corralled somewhere. They're somewhere. Right. They're they're being uh, you know they are owned and they are being used probably for probably for schlepping stuff around and moving people around. They're mm. still being used even though at night they're free. Yeah, it is interesting that the moments he chooses to show the horses where you have them, him trying hard to, you know, with the TV signal going in and out, it goes from horses to nothing, horses to nothing. And the nothing is the state run uh, television card saying, you know, out of order. But then at the mm-hmm. same time, you've got this freedom. So you've got these opposing ideas kind of like yeah. fighting each other for his attention um, and that TV is a part of his idea of freedom is just being, being able to go and watch TV whenever he feels like. Um, and then the other big moment of horses uh, that I really that I, I enjoyed a lot it was when he starts making the sound of horses running at his wedding. He's, yep. he's pretty drunk and he just starts making that sound. He's like, oh, do you reckon mm. and he's telling his wife, uh, 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 Bojana, uh, Bojana, you know, Bojana, yeah. like. Do you hear that? Do you know what that sound is? Do you hear that sound? And he's just overjoyed with this idea that he's finally achieving that freedom that he, he's free. You know, mm. He's free. He's he's got that idea of it. Um, but then, like right behind him, 
you know that it's crazy this is this is where you know you can see him finally as a director pulling forth these moments so you know you have this overjoyed i'm free this is my moment but then slinking behind him because his boss and then he starts talking to him and he says oh i owe you everything you're the best this is the best and then up in the tree is his, his friend uh, Miatek, and he starts shaking the leaves and says, it's snowing. He's like, oh, look, it's snowing. He's making – like they're just both like you know, just trying to get his attention and trying to win his affection. Um, and that sound of the horses is, has stopped at this point because mm-hmm. they're, they're both kind of in, you know, ruining it for him with their, with their needs and their wants and not letting him just be free and have that moment that he, uh, that he was so enjoying. Uh, that's what makes, you know, this a huge step forward. Whereas in the scar, he has these moments of reflection that is both, uh, done in an abstract way in terms of how the camera is being used and with these weird sound effects he's able to do those same types of moments and tell a lot about the story without it feeling like it is something odd or different he weaves it very well into this picture so i think that's that that's one of the man that's just one of the great things about watching him as a director grow and change as you get to see these moments as milestone moments before he moves on to the next bigger thing, which is uh, which is something I appreciate greatly. Yeah, and even I mean the 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 score in the scar is is pretty cool, and yeah. I like the sound of it. Mm. But um, he doesn't that he as Mark mentioned earlier, he 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 uses no music in this film, um, at least uh, at least no non diegetic music, and he. Uh, is able to capture those feelings through the use of the horses and through the use of what's actually happening in the world of the film um, without the the use of that uh, of that crutch and you know Kishlovsky later used uh, non-diegetic music to great effect but I think in this situation um, he he really does, as you say, Travis, weave all of this um, into the fabric of the story in a supernatural way, uh, in a really natural way, I should say, <laughs> not, not supernatural. A ghostly um, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, but there is something really ghostly about the horses uh, now that you mention it. And I, I really, that, that scene of the horses on the TV was the first moment where I was like, this is Kishlowski right, right here. Right. This scene Agreed. feels so much like the films that he would later make. And, and the, the notion that this is a TV movie that, and the knowledge that we have that this movie was suppressed for four or five years and what this guy is searching for on the TV are these horses running free but all he ends up with is this test pattern of the government hmm. um, as saying that, you know, the TV is out of order um, is just in a nutshell, Kieślowski. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, you know, the fact that he's able to sort of so effortlessly weave this into the rest of the film and it really feels like uh, a natural inclusion it doesn't feel shoehorned in despite the fact that it is so sort of uh, obvious like it's not 
it's not a complex theme. It's a very, I mean, it's easy for you to sort of understand, even if you might come away with different interpretations of what the horses mean, I think that the connection to his feelings and to his experience is very straightforward. And yet it doesn't feel um, clunky or um, sort of uh, beginner level metaphor. It feels very um, natural and, and really underlines and elevates the emotion at the center of, of the progression of this character's life. Um, the other scene of the horses uh, that they, they don't actually show the horses, but it's the scene where he discusses the horses with his landlady while he's uh, while they're watching TV together. Um, and I do want to talk about the two uh, sort of biggest female characters in the film. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think Bojana doesn't get many moments to really be a full person in the film. You know, I think Agreed. the moment of, of them walking, um, is, is like a nice, nice moment. I think, you know, she gets sort of a bit of vulnerability in, um, it's nice that the next day he says, Oh, she didn't even show up. Um, so that, you know, we know he's, he, he doesn't want to brag about his conquests. Um, but she kind of disappears into the background for most of the film. I think the landlady though, is a, is a great character and the performance is really spectacular as well. Um, she kind of stayed with me more than any other character in the movie. What did you guys think of, of this this character she has she has the look of like a polish helen mirren like she has just <laughs> this stately quality to her and matronly quality to her as well yeah. but she's also very sensual which was uh yeah uh, which was fantastic you know it's almost kind of like that joke setup you know the boarder who has to go live with right. the, the single woman uh you know and the kind of shenanigans that uh uh take place but uh, no, she's 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 a very well developed and well rounded character in terms of what she's meant to do in the film and what she represents in the film. Which you know, besides it being kind of like a a mother figure to him, you know that that person who cares for him and takes care of him and helps him and you know dotes on him. That thing that he's missing because you realize early on when. Uh, when he's meeting uh, Bojana's uh, parents, uh, they ask about his family, and he says he he didn't really know his mother. She died early. He was raised by step parents or uh, raised by foster parents, kind of thing. Um, you know, he's missing that aspect of his life, and she is more than happy to to uh, to fulfill that role. But you know, she wants more than that. And when he's given the opportunity to uh, you know, ravish her, have sex with her. He can't do it. He can't perform because I think deep down that's not the relationship he wants from this. Um, you know, even mm -hmm. when he's given the opportunity fresh out of prison. And so it, you know, being rejected must, you know, is very hurtful and she shows it. But she tries to bring herself back into his life. And that moment that they share together in the bathroom, 
uh, yeah. before his wedding. It's just it's 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 heartbreaking. It's it's really beautiful. And he tries he tries to kind of make it better. He does that thing again, trying to make everyone happy. Come right. to my wedding, and she's like, dude, that's the biggest insult. Making her come to your wedding to see you be happy where she can't right. be. And then he tries to kiss her hand, and she allows it for a brief moment. Then you know is not having it. I was I was curious going into actually going into this. Um, marathon, I'll call it, of Kuslowski movies, because I, I will be following along, about how um, how the female characters would be handled uh, in, in his movies, what agency would they have. And I, I think you're right. I, you're bringing to light um, even more agency for the, the landlord, who I, I think, or landlady, who is, um, does, is kind of a linchpin for him getting back on his feet. Uh, who knows if he would have done as well as he did even uh, without her. And I, I was a little concerned with Bojena not having uh, as much agency uh, in the film. She is more of a background character. Um, the, you know, it's, it, it, it is a nice symmetry that we see her earlier and she comes back uh, to play. And, and maybe that's part of the point is that she doesn't have a lot of agency. Uh, there really isn't, um, much for yeah. him to really uh, appreciate with her, for Antec to appreciate with her, uh, other than the fact that you know he says, "You look so beautiful today." I wondered why you'd bury me. Um, you know that just in particular. Is there anything else to her uh, for him other than um, his beauty and what we see? How happy he is, his elation at telling his coworkers. Um, yeah, I think that's a good important. point. Yeah, yeah she's no, a, I think you're right. She's a yeah. fantasy. She's a she's right. yeah. She is to. the yep. She's just like the the TV and the you know mm-hmm. what the American equivalent of the house with the picket fence. She is beautiful and she doesn't say much. <laughs> so she she's can, innocent. She can, she's virginal. Like, yeah, you know, she exactly. She and that was his favorite moment was finding out. You know, she'd never right. had this experience before. And, um, you know, for him, that's, that's the ideal. You're living the dream of, you know, you find the beautiful virginal woman who's chased her whole life and now you can build a family with her. And, uh, and he, you know, I think he, he clearly had a more emotional connection with, with the landlady. Um, but, um, you know, he has a certain image of what his life is going to look like in his mm. head and once that falls apart obviously he has no sort of uh emotional bond with her um, beyond that perfect life and so he turns on her just as quickly as he turns on uh the boss or the the other workers well because if you think about it like everything he's ever wanted was there in that apartment that he was sharing with the landlady he has the tv that's always on he has someone there that is willing to take care of him and he goes to work and comes home happy um you know but there were no horses playing on that tv and that that was <laughs> right. that's important. He didn't feel the horse. You know, he wants those yeah. horses to play on that TV. Do you ever get horses around here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I will say, I will say one thing about uh, Borgena is that um, she she is she isn't as well rounded as she could be or should be. Um, you know, she is set up to be that fantasy, that thing that he held on to in his time in prison as a goal and aspiration to kind of help him get through everything. But at the same time, she is a bit of a 
Jiminy Cricket, she does have a bit of a moral compass for him to keep him on mm. his path. She, That's true. She, yeah. she is the one who comes in and says, no, stay out of this. This is only going to go bad. No, don't yeah. do this. And then runs to him and says, hey, you need to come home. You know, this is about to, you know, she's the one who's like as, as innocent and naive she is. She at least understands what's going on and is trying to help him see what's going on. And he, yeah. he ref, either refuses to see it or thinks he's smarter than her that he can work his way out of it which you know which then becomes that moment where he finally snaps at her and just sends her home because he's tired of hearing her say don't you know don't do this don't do that you know it's set up like hen pecking but really she's being more intelligent than him about things and really getting a better idea of reading things for sure and and at this point she's pregnant and is you know just doesn't want to tilt you know overturn the apple cart like she She's ready to, to call it a day here. Um, but he, he's in a situation where he's gotten everything he wanted pretty much like right away, you know, like all the way down the line. He got the job. He got the, you know, he got married. It was the perfect situation for him. And so he thinks he can pull this off ultimately. Like he thinks he's able to walk this line. Even if he doesn't want to be in this situation, he's just intent on getting through it um and thinks that he's going to come out the other end and i think you know gets the wake-up call right and that's probably where he lashes out again that's that's his wake-up call um that you know just realizing at that point that this is this is not possible it's not going to completely work the way he wanted it to i will say one of my favorite uh uh speaking of uh you know when we talk about uh yerji store and uh his his acting, you know, uh, Kishlowski said that uh, uh, once he worked with him on the scar, he said I had th- that that was his intention right away. I have to write something for him. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. I enjoy working with him. He has so much ability that he wanted to tap into, and so they came. You know, he came up with this premise, and the two of them wrote it together because he was really invested in this idea. And there's so many beautiful moments of his acting throughout the entire piece um, that I really enjoy. And there, there, there are these really tiny moments too. So uh, the the when <laughs> when the old man when he comes to propose or comes to uh, you know pitch woo at his uh, at a uh, Bojena uh, and to bring her the uh, necklace he bought her. Uh, he says to the old man, do you recognize me? And he's, the old man's looking at him, uh, Bojana's dad, and he's just like, no, not really. And then he says, my hair was different. And he kind of fixes it a little, but yeah. all he does is kind yeah. of make it a little flatter. And the guy goes, oh, your hair, oh, now yeah. I see you. <laughs> that little, like, rubbing his hair just gently. And then the moment where he sees the horses in the car and he turns to look to see if the other guy is seeing what he's seeing... There's uh, something so just beautiful and magical about his expression in that moment. There's so much childish delight in that. Like, yeah. do you see this? It's like it's like you know when someone who has never seen snow before and it starts snowing, you see this delight in their eye, this like fantastic moment of realization and experience, and he has that, and it's captured so beautifully. I think. I think he did a fantastic job in this film. Like he, he really, he really brings this character to life in a lot of small, unique ways, and I, I really enjoyed that. And 
having him, you know, play off against his uh, landlady in those moments too. And I think that's, that's what made it so uh, visceral and hard to kind of like see their relationship deteriorate is because everywhere else he is so happy and so outward. And then there at that house, like there is a tension that's always present and it's, uh, you know, it's hard. It's really hard because he does have that opportunity. That is the other life. Um, You know, later, you know, Mark, you talked about him picking the calm path. Um, He could have also chosen this path. And in that moment, he doesn't. He chooses to go where the horses lead him. And, you know, that could have been a whole different life, which the duality of choice uh, and the 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 choices we make in life will become a theme that uh hmm. you know right. Tischlowski will play with you know a little later on. Yeah, he's really great in this role. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in uh, Camera Buff uh, in, in the next film. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, he's got a great face too. You know, is the other thing. He he's just. Um, like he kind of reminds me of Tim Blake Nelson a little bit, mm-hmm. um, hmm. but uh, like it's almost like this um, this like endearing goofiness, uh, right. but ma- matched with like real sparkle of life and character uh, in the eyes. Um, he's he's uh, he's really good in this in this role, and um, you know I think he's able to to match both like the childlike wonder and the um childlike anger i guess you could call it um and 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 also just like the being uncomfortable and frustrated in these situations in which he doesn't feel like he you know wants to be there or or should have to be there um it's a very uh open performance yeah, he does work with him uh, quite a bit. You know, later, like you mentioned, uh, Blind Chance, the Decalogue. He's in Three Colors White, and I, yeah, it, it seems like it's almost like uh, I, I think you mentioned earlier, Matt. He doesn't. Um, it, it's almost like this story didn't exist, and he wrote it specifically for Stern. Yeah. Um, you know, just based on his face and his emotion and his, the way he can capture the the camera. Um, so, it, it, but it, it also, you know, it gets to that kind of documentary style. It, I think it informs what he, uh, Kieslowski was saying earlier about why he switched from documentary to the uh, to fiction film, and that he can portray a character like this um, in in this way and give you know give him a a true um, a true identity, uh, make us really believe and identify with this character, but not ruin him <laughs> through. Yeah the the, docu- the documentary format i agree yeah. and i think i think uh using the documentary style he he still kept the energy of a documentary camera in this but without getting uh too uh reduced to his normal style which was everything really tight lots of close-ups uh lots of uh lots of uh constricted space lots of uh, claustrophobia uh mm. this movie he he finally opens up i can, i can feel space yeah. and i feel growth and it's funny i was reading in in one of the books i can't remember which one uh the word uh you know the word for calm in polish is uh spokój which is uh spelled s p o k o j and the 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 word for uh 
peace and space, like room, like room to grow, room to breathe, room to have this moment of calm uh, or peace is uh, pokwe, which is uh, P-O-K-O-J. So it's one letter difference between the two. It's this idea of a calm space or a peaceful space and then the idea of calm, which is uh, which I thought was really cool. It's a really kind of beautiful touch of language in a language that is sometimes very uh, complicated and hard to pronounce. Yeah, it's it is interesting too, though. Like thinking about the perils of making a documentary about a prisoner coming out of jail in Poland in 1976. I mean, you know, talk about a thorny subject that would have been, you know, difficult to to navigate the politics of. Um, this is the only way that. Kishlovsky could tell this story and and of course could guarantee that the 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 story would take the turns that he would want to make would want to take I mean as indicated by the broken hammer in hospital <laughs> there are certain things that are recurring mm-hmm. um, but you know you follow a prisoner maybe they go back into a life of crime or maybe they uh, leave the country or whatever it is, um, you know, you, you don't know what necessarily what to expect and it could end up being something that the authorities are not especially pleased with. Um, although I guess in this situation, he made the movie that they approved and they still weren't pleased with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what can you do? But I, I think, um, I think that there is something to be said for being able to tell the story that you want to tell about the reality that you're seeing in the world. Um, sometimes that can only be done through fiction um, right. and documentary isn't able to capture the, the truth that you're seeing. Yeah. I can't imagine him, you know, having stayed through documentary through, you know, his, his career uh, because we wouldn't have gotten these just amazing works and I, I i don't know it's you guys alluded to i really struggle with and I, I i feel like in watching these films and talking and learning a little bit more about uh Kieslowski, and of course i just ordered the the book Kieslowski on Kieslowski last night because i i realized i need to to hit there but it's you know he, he's a self-proclaimed um pessimist but he is so interested in the connection between people um, so it's, it's almost, they're almost at odds with each other, right? Because, you know, a pessimist might, you would think be focused on the things that pull people apart and divide us, you know, and we were talking about that all the time now in today's world, but, you know, he is especially later in his career about those things, uh, interested in those things that link people. And maybe that is in his, his early documentary work. Um, you know, I, I think it is there within uh, first love with that, within that couple, um, you know, what, what truly links them. I mean, they're set, set along this path by, you know, falling in love and, and her getting pregnant. And, you know, we don't know what the, the ultimate outcome is. We don't know the ultimate outcome um, for Antec either. Um, you know, we, we just have a, a sense of where he, he may be headed. But it's it really, um, you know, for me has been so far, again, early in these films, interesting to see kind of that uh, that progression uh, for him and how his supposed pessimism <laughs> works in concert with uh, his deeply, uh, I think, humanist qualities also. Yeah. Uh, very similar to the first director that you guys uh, talked about, I think. so. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, for sure. 
Um, <clears throat> is there uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover for this film before we get into the uh, the final stretch here? No, no. I think we've I think we've we've talked about a, a lot of the stuff. Uh, you know, I think yeah. I think maybe one of the things we didn't really kind of uh, get involved with is kind of what the what the conflict is in the film which was this is this concept that uh you know they're working on this building site Uh, he gets a job working on this Mm -hmm. building site and there's you know with any kind of uh structured uh workers and management there's a manager and then there's the workers and uh the workers are wanting to do a good job they're wanting to take pride in their stuff they do but they also want to be able to go and get paid and have fun and at some point, they start reporting to the manager that things are going missing. Uh, materials, bricks, concrete, uh, plaster, all this stuff is just kind of disappearing. And they're asking the manager to solve this because they can't do their job. And if they can't do their job, they can't get paid. And the manager is trying to not... I, I wouldn't say he's trying to solve it. He kind of knows what's going on. He's just trying not to... He's pretty big coy about it. And he uses, uh, he uses, uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry, he uses uh, Gra- uh, Antec to, to uh, as the in between to say, hey, tell the guys, you know, you know, get back to work, you know, I'm gonna raise, I'm gonna give them a little bit of a raise, or tell them that this, uh, we we got the materials coming, and and he he plays them off, but you can see he doesn't. He doesn't want these workers to dictate what's going on, and uh that's you know that's the big thing which leads to that uh uh the next uh, solidarity movement it's that idea that you know we have these corrupt officials taking over things and in in using uh these people's lives and livelihood as their own uh, you know as their own means to make more money on the side so selling materials out to other uh, construction companies or stealing this to 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 take care of that uh you know the manager has his own idea of freedom his horse is that uh that motorcycle which you know if you want to tie that into that idea as well and you know it's 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 Gralic who's there to help him uh, achieve his his idea of what he wants in life you know he's there to fix the motorcycle and to speak to the guys he doesn't want to and to yeah. come to this well, meeting and share this turkey with him he he, he yeah. you know he's his But the man the manager like definitely stole this stuff Oh for right? sure and sold it to the and then he's asking Gralic to basically go and buy back the stuff that yeah but he's he sold because he doesn't want to get caught yeah and he's doing it all like all kind of low-key and trying not to make a deal out of it and telling the workers like trying to do them a favor oh i won't get any cops involved in this so none of you guys will get in trouble but you know we'll we'll take we'll figure this out and he's just playing lip service to them and you can tell they're getting upset like they 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 value their work and their abilities and you know as they say when when Gralic is invited to be with them you know we love this crew we're an amazing workforce like and it's because we all like have faith in each other and we all work together which is you know the the line of the workers you know we if we if we're solid together then we can you know we can achieve anything and here comes management yeah. to fuck it all up but at the same time you know Gralic wouldn't have had his beginning if it wasn't for management giving him a job and giving him that little bit of money and you know and his buddy uh 
his buddy uh, Miatek even says to him, "Don't take his money. Here, here's three hundred. You know, uh, man, I can't remember what the Polish money is called. Zlotys. Yeah, Zlotys. Here's three hundred Zlotys. Go pay him back. Owe me. Don't owe him. Because once you owe him, you're you're in for you know in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, and that's kind of what happens at the end with that feast. Here's Everyone tear into this turkey together. Everyone take these big pieces and eat it sloppily while drinking your vodka and talk. And <laughs> it just does not. It does not look like a good turkey. Oh. I'm just. I'm just gonna say it. It looks disgusting. It's, it's like I don't know. It's, it's just. I'm worried about people in Poland in the 70s. Oh well. I'm just worried. Don't worry. Whatever like bacteria was in that turkey worms. was killed by all the vodka <laughs> in their stomachs. <laughs> Very true. Um, the other, the other thing, the other big concern I have about people in Poland in the seventies is: did they tie their ties on their thigh? Oh yeah, right. Before they, oh yeah. Before they, I, first time I've ever seen that before. I've yeah. never seen that. That's like before. that's like when watching that guy in the scar eat a sandwich while holding a yeah. tomato between his pinky and his ring finger. Right. I guess that. Yeah, because whenever I have to tie a tie for someone, I have to put it on myself. Not like right. does that means that all he's ever learned how to tie a tie is on someone else. That's a uh, that's someone pretty else, crazy. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Ties and thighs, everybody. Um, thigh tie. All right. Thigh well, ties. Uh, so, <laughs> thigh ties. Um, so, so uh, Mark, uh, as I'm sure you know, we we rank these things around here. Yes. Um, Course. So I mean, I, you obviously are allowed to uh, to go go nuts with the whole Kishlovsky catalog. Um, curious to know where where you'd put the calm, and then uh, give us your give us your top three. As okay, well, if you if you have them in your head, I I think so. Overall, I, I'm probably going to cheat, uh, but you know, the I I came to these to his films about ten years ago, really as a burgeoning cinephile. So I started with. The Decalogue, a couple of, uh, really was just shown a couple of those movies. Um, and then we got into The Double Life of Veronique, and then I went back to the Decalogue. I watched all those facet discs and the three colors, and I've seen Blind Chance and Camera Buff. So um, I, I, and after really, uh, Preisner was a absolute gem for me. Um, I just listened to the soundtracks incessantly, and he's really one of the the great musical finds for me personally. It's not like I found him, but you know, it's it was really wonderful yeah. for me to, to to find him. So I going back to rank the films that um, you know you guys have talked about so far, um, which is you know Personnel, um, The Calm, and The Scar so far, I, and. Uh, I, and I did watch First Love also, and I, I I almost, you know, I really was kind of taken with that, so I might even put mm-hmm. it ahead of The Scar, except for there's one shot in The Scar that I love. But, you know, I would probably um, rank them as The Scar, then Personnel, and then The Calm, which is, you know, really seems to be his most accomplished. And I, I almost feel like every film from... Um, for the features, I, I think maybe not with no end, but um, you know he's almost going to get better <laughs> with each particular mm. film. But my my top three are, um, and I just I just kind of pick these on the fly because you know that's the 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 way I see them. I mean, if if you have the Decalogue all as one, um, that probably is my number one. Yeah, uh, my number two and three would be between. Um, 
Blue and the Double Life, Double Life of Veronique, I believe. Again, just the the music, and I've only seen the Three Colors trilogy once, and I, I feel like maybe Red would rise in my estimation. But we we did talk about Blind Chance. Yeah, um, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, Criterion yeah. Close Up back in 2015, and I just you know seeing that one twice. Uh, I I think that film is. If if not on par with these other films, it's very close. It's it's excellent. So I'm looking forward yeah. to you guys reaching that level. Yeah, and I do recommend people check that episode out. It was a great episode. Um, Thanks. Yep. Travis, what do you what do you think? Uh, uh, my my uh, my lineup falls right in line with Mark's lineup. Uh, I think uh, the calm uh, just uh, technically uh, thematically. Um, everything is, is just been elevated, um, to a higher level, um, than all of his other work at this point. Um, there's something that finally clicks with him here. I don't know if it's the, uh, the difference between working for television versus working for film. I don't know what the conditions or what the, um, expectations or the, uh, restrictions he had in making this film different from working for his theatrical experiences or working from his documentaries, but it see he seems to have thrived. Maybe it's that he finally mm-hmm. found a good partner in uh, working with uh, Yerge, um, and yeah. that's what kind of is now the 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 impetus for the rest of his uh, development. But this this is. Uh, well well above uh, all of his other work um and then personnel comes in second for me at this point because it's still it's the it's the it's the story and the theme of the movie that that resonates with me being a person who works in this type that type of industry and then the scar being you know the last for now and when i say that it isn't by no means a bad movie this isn't like Kubrick where you know fear and desire is like literally a horrible movie (laughs) you know it is still (laughs) worth watching and there's still lots to take out of it and there's lots of growth and development that can be appreciated um but yeah no I think this the calm the calm is definitely uh his uh you know number one with a bullet yeah I have the same ranking um I'm probably not as as um, it's probably not as, as distant, um, between the first and second for me. Uh, I think personnel is really, really strong. Um, mm. uh, but, um, th- but this is the, still the clear number one and, mm. um, and, uh, and then the scar I think is, is the only, I, well, I think that there are, s- um, some elements of pedestrian subway that are not successful. Um, so I won't say the scar is the only, uh, unsuccessful, narrative thing he's done uh in this stretch but um i think that that there's probably there's probably the most um things that he probably would have done differently if he had a second shot at at the scar um in comparison to the other films that he's made to this point um so this is uh this is exciting and um yeah i i mean we still have um, a couple of movies left that uh, three three movies actually that I haven't seen. So I'm excited uh, to get into more of this because this this one um, yeah, I think he's he's starting to cook with gas here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys have a lot of great stuff ahead of you. <laughs> Mark, thank you, 
thank you so much uh, for for coming on. Oh yeah, and, yeah thanks uh, for um, you know reaching out to me and uh, letting me cover this movie. I, I know it's probably hard to get guests for a film like this because you have to own the arrow set that is you know currently I knew out of print, you would so. own it that's why I reached well I wanted <laughs> exactly. to get you on earlier I wanted to get you on early in the season and I knew you owned I was like Mark there's no way Mark doesn't have this set so. right exactly yeah <laughs> but but uh, but uh, no I mean I think uh I think it was uh you know I've I've long I was a long time listener of of close up and um you know I love when when you show up on now and uh I'd, I'd love to see you uh more i know close up is is has been revived uh to, it has. to a certain degree so i'm hoping hoping you're re- a regular on there but um yeah that's I, the plan i love your yeah. voice in my ear mark is what oh I'm thanks here, so. yeah it's so. i've had you i've had both <laughs> of your voices coming. in my ear uh recently <laughs> uh so uh, I went through all the Kubrick. I haven't done May yet because she's a blind spot, and I'm just going to pick that time and watch them and go through it. And so, you know, I'm I'm following along with you guys on this. I've been I like I'd mentioned I've seen a few Kieslowski, and I really kind of shelved him, uh, waiting for an excuse to go through pretty much everything. So here it is. Thank you. Yeah, I'll also point out New England represent. Yeah, no kidding. That's right. That's two, right. Two uh, two Massachusetts <laughs> and a Vermont there and a Vermonter. Go. I'm originally yep. from Maine, so we could actually go there through. There you go. Oh, wow. All right. Well, next time uh, we are covering uh, camera buff, and the, we really are covering camera buff. I'm you not sh- lying. You sure? Time. We're not going <laughs> to we're not gonna pull no. the rug out of our wonderful guest uh, in the last, in the well, 11th let's hour? Just, let's just do three colors, Travis. Let's just, let's just skip ahead. It. Let's fuck it. Hey, let's do it. Why not? Why not? <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> you know? Um all right. Yeah, no, we are we are covering Camera Buff, another movie that that I don't know. And uh it will be available. We are getting closer and closer to the launch of the Criterion channel. It will be available on there. It's also available on a Kino out of print DVD and a artificial eye in print DVD, I think. For anyone in the New England area on the Minuteman network of uh, films, <laughs> I'm very sorry that I'm still holding on to it. I have one more movie to watch in this box set. They rented it as a box set. Can you believe it? Oh, yeah. It's not individual yeah. films. They rented the whole box set to me uh, as, it's, as it's... one item, which... They're individually packaged discs. I know. Too, right? I don't know why yeah. they wouldn't have broken them up, yeah. but you know what? I have them, and I'm so sorry <laughs> for anyone who's trying to rent them. <laughs> and for people who are not in the Boston area, check your local library because maybe it's there, um, or just just uh, wait a couple weeks and it'll be on demand for you, which I'm looking forward to myself. And with that, we're complete for another week. 25thframemedia.com, a listener-supported network celebrating film and culture worldwide.